welcome into a Christmas Eve post-game edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis. Mike Nislik is a busy man up in New England as he is finishing up his stories and coverage, which you can get on cleveland.com slash Bengals. He's got some great stuff if you haven't seen it already. But the Bengals get their strangest win, the oddest win I think they've gotten this year, 22-18, to 18, the almost complete reversal of last week's game against Tampa Bay where the Bucks had a 17-0 lead and watched the Bengals score 34 unanswered. In this case, the Bengals score 22-0. They're up 22-0 after scoring 22. The Patriots score 18 unanswered and almost took the lead, but they did not thanks to the late-game heroics of B.J. Hill, Von Bell, and D.J. Reader who forced a fumble and recovered it from Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson. Of course, Bengals fans are going to be celebrating that moment in the game and a lot of the moments that limited the Patriots to no points in the first half. A rare shutout that we haven't seen from the Bengals in quite some time because normally the shutouts they've had defensively have been in the second half of games, not normally in the first half. Uh, I'd have to go back and check, but I think that was their first half shutout as a defense uh, in their games this season. A lot of wacky things happened to get to that point. A lot of good things happened to get to that point. But ultimately, there was enough good for the Bengals as they're going to bring their seventh straight win back to Cincinnati as they're going to get the holiday celebrated early. And Andrew, I just really want to ask you the pressing question I'm thinking about as far as you know the tale of two halves, which I think is a fitting way to sum up that game. With the second half specifically, was it more so that the Bengals' defense just melted up until that last moment? Or was it really just the offense that was more out of sorts? I mean, I think both are true, that the offense was not doing well. Burrow threw a pick six, and then Jamar Chase fumbles the ball. That leads to that penultimate drive before the fumble that the Bengals recovered. But you could also say that there was a lot of burnt coverage from Cam Taylor-Britt and uh, some other guys in the Bengals' secondary. What do you make of that in the second half? Yeah, I mean, it was a weird game, like you said, just because you look at kind of where it went wrong. I mean, the Bengals were on Patriots' side of the field, and there was miscommunication. Burrow throws a pick six. Um, you know, they had another one. I believe it was inside the red zone. Uh, Burrow threw a pick there. Uh, it was a miscommunication. I think it was Tyler Boyd. He thought he was going to keep running his route. Uh, Jamar Chase fumbled. You had the uh, like the weird like third and forever play by the uh, by the Patriots where Mac Jones just kind of gives it the old heave ho into the end zone and it gets deflected into the air and they get a touchdown out of it. Um, it, it was just a weird game. Um, you know, I I don't know if it was necessarily like I, I mean like if you had to place any kind of blame or any kind of something, I would I would put it on the offense. Um, because, you know, you, you can't throw a pick six and you can't fumble and you can't turn it over twice in the other team's area. Like, you, you just can't do the things that they did uh, if you want to beat some of the better teams in this league. But you know, it was just I, – I, I don't know if it's indicative of a problem or anything like that. I mean, it was a miscommunication. It was something that we hadn't really seen in the last – Oh God, in the last two months, you know, we hadn't really seen Joe Burrow do things like that. We hadn't really seen the receivers do things like that. Um, you know, the Jamar Chase fumble was just kind of, it's, that's kind of when it seemed like, okay, this thing might actually go off the rails because for a lot of the afternoon, you felt like the Bengals were pretty safe 
Um, you know, the, the beginning of the game, it just it was kind of a snoozer. You were just kind of waiting for the Bengals to to give that final blow, and they never did. So, um, you know, I, 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 if you had to put, quote-unquote, blame anywhere, I would put it on the offense. But I'm not sure it's a game where you could necess- you know, you necessarily blame any one thing or any one unit. The blame definitely goes on both sides for sure. I think for me, though, and I'm a second your point, to what you said, I'd put a little more on the offense. Ultimately, the defense did its job at the end. It did its job on that penultimate drive when B.J. Hill recovered the fumble. And for those who haven't seen the actual play, just go back and watch the replays, whether you have NFL Plus or on YouTube where the highlights are. Just the way Von Bell just jumps in. Like, D.J. Reader's already making the tackle. And instead of letting the play just die, Von Bell comes in from the box where he played a lot of the game. Him and Jesse Bates played a lot of that box coverage from up front. And he just keeps the play going even when it looks dead. That was the big difference. And that was the big difference on a lot of plays that the Bengals didn't screw up where they were actually doing well. I think you can go back to the first half. And what stands out to me with their defense is Lou Anderuma played a lot of cover one, but with a lot of press man coverage. There's one play that stood out where Cam Sample had a sack on Mac Jones. And there's nothing Mac Jones could do because he's getting swarmed and Cam Taylor Britt is jamming receivers at the line of scrimmage. I think in this case, it was Jacoby Myers. I'd have to go back and watch it, but he jammed somebody at the line of scrimmage, doesn't give time for Mac Jones to do anything. And that's the more impressive part is it's Cam Sample, not Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard obviously didn't play in this game because he's nursing a calf injury he sustained against uh, the first half against the Buccaneers last week. And you look at that, and I wrote about this this week. You know, it's not next man up. It's next man stepping up for this Bengals defense. Go look who else made other sacks. Josh Tupo, the fifth, sixth-year guy, making the second sack of his career. Von Bell was also in on that sack, too. Like I said, he played a lot up front. Lou Anarumo didn't just play it too high the whole game. He actually utilized Von Bell and Bates to where they were actually coming up and flooding the line of scrimmage. You can look at Zach Carter, who was mostly playing for DJ Reader when he was hurt this year. He had a sack on uh, Mac Jones. Joseph Osai joined him on a sack. So it just shows you that was, I think, the most frustrating thing for New England is it wasn't just one guy that was throwing off Mac Jones or Ramondre Stevenson. On the flip side, though, like you said, if we're going to kind of go back to that blame, and I'm not going to put it all on him because he actually had the game ceiling uh, swat to win it. But Camp Taylor Britt, strong first half, really bad third quarter, rebounded to finish. So he, he finished what he started. I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I actually think he played a great game. But there were definitely some plays where you could look back and say if the Bengals did lose his game, then the blame game gets a little bit more uh, – a little tougher when it comes to Cam Taylor Britt. But look, he's, he's still a rookie. He's not perfect. You know, if that's Jadobia Wuzia, you're not going to get as many mistakes as he had. And obviously the biggest one that jumps out was the third and 24 Hail Mary pass. Uh, that Mac Jones had to Jacoby Myers that basically kept the Patriots in this game after Marcus Jones had that pick six on Joe Burrow. I want to go back to those picks you mentioned, though, since I'm talking about that. That's what stood out to me, I think, on those plays was miscommunication. On the first one, I think that was all Tyler Boyd. He just stopped running his route. I wouldn't put that on Joe Burrow. I think Burrow was doing the right thing. It was a well-drawn-up play by Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. I think Boyd just uh, got thrown off there with his with his movement. But then on the pick six, that Burrow threw to Marcus Jones, that reminded me, honestly, not just because it's a pick six, but it reminded me of the one he threw to Minka Fitzpatrick in that 
you know, season opening dud, which we've talked so many times about. It reminded me of that where I think it was a little bit of both. I think in this case, it was a little bit on Burrow. It was a little bit on Chase. I think either Chase overran his route and or Burrow just didn't see him running that far and he just got the ball out quick. I'd have to go back and watch it, but it looked like neither of them was doing the right thing. I think if even if Jamar didn't run his route the way he was supposed to, I think Burrow saw him way past Marcus Jones, and that was a poorly underthrown ball if that was the case. And I think that's why if you're Burrow, you're going to have mixed feelings about this because, you know, you open the game completing 11 straight passes. You know, you throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. The fourth time he's done that this year, tied with uh, the second most among quarterbacks for those kind of performances. But then you look at the two picks, one of which almost cost you the game. Definitely mixed emotions, I think, is the right adjective to, to kind of describe Joe Burrow. But, you know, Andrew, I think the bigger question, you could even look at it outside of this game. You know, like I said, today was the opposite of last week. The Bengals actually came back in the second half, whereas today it was a strong first half that helped them survive before, you know, Mac Jones and Bill Belichick tried to attempt to come back. But at the same time, though, we're talking only halves. Neither game has been a complete game, whether it was today or the Tampa Bay game. And there's a couple other games, I would say, maybe not post bye week. Well, actually, no, I disagree. I'd say post bye week and pre bye week, there were some games where it's like the Bengals did win some games, but it wasn't a complete game. Why is it that the Bengals just haven't had that complete game effort, especially when you look at the Bucks and Patriots? They're both losing teams. They both have losing records. How can a team with a seven-game winning streak not have a full complete game effort like that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't I, – I, I disagree with the premise of that. Um, I don't think Why it's is that? necessarily – I don't think it's like, oh, the Bengals can't put together a complete game. What do they do? Oh, no. Like, the NFL is a really hard league. Like, if the Bengals – No, really. Played, I didn't, I didn't like know they, that. <laughs> if, the, if the Bengals played like they did in the first half today and like they did in the second half against Tampa Bay, like, if they played that way – Every single week, I mean, they're eleven and four right now. What we'd be talking about, a you know, a fifteen and zero team, a fourteen and one team, like it is, it is stupendously hard to do that every single week and play like that every single half. And plus, like the teams that they've played are not pushovers. Like even that Panther game, um, you know, they went up thirty-five nothing and they had a great first half, and then in the second half they kind of let the Panthers have what they wanted to because the game was already out of reach. So like, well, I, I slightly disagree with that's that. That's one you kind of look at. But like, even like the Cleveland game, like the Cleveland game, where like we talk about them getting boat raced and obliterated, and the game was over, and blah 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 blah, and how how quickly that turned. That game was eight to nothing with like six seconds left in the first half. Like it was a one score game for the like the entire first quarter. Then the Browns scored, and like it, it was a close game. So like the Browns didn't dominate them the entire way. It just felt like that because it was the second half. So, like, I, like I, I just think that when you look at kind of where this team is in in the season and the teams that they're playing, it's just so so hard to to put together a complete effort against these teams like that. I mean, because yeah, you're going to play teams where it's you know it's a it's a heavyweight fight and it's you know two two fighters going at it and it's just punch after punch after punch after punch. But like. Even in the even in the AFC Championship game last year, the Chiefs jumped out to a, a, a twenty-one to three lead, and then uh, they were right on the doorstep of making it twenty-eight to ten at the break. 
And then the Bengals control the second half. And then in the Super Bowl last year, the Rams come out firing, and like it kind of looked like the Rams might pull away with that one. And then in the second half, um, the Bengals, I, they had a, the first play of the second half, they have a big touchdown from T. Higgins and then a turnover and then a field goal. Like, games swing momentum-wise. Like, it's a little bit more like basketball than people think. So I, I don't think it's a problem. Um, I don't think it's necessarily any big issue, especially when you kind of look, like I mentioned, the mistakes that they had. Tyler Boyd stopped short on his route on that on that slant route. I'm not quite sure why, if he thought it was going to be a dig or what, um, but he stopped short. Then you have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase with a miscommunication. Like, you have three turnovers in, in one half. I mean, we saw last week against Tampa Bay. When a team has five, that kills you. And that we know that the, the, the Boyd one was in the first half. Boyd was in the first half. So it's oh, the Boyd was in the – excuse me. But still, you, so you have two in the second half then. Um, but that, but even still, like, I just, I don't know, like they're very fixable errors that they made in the second half. And I, I don't think it was necessarily like, I don't think this team is like necessarily a one half team or that there's something, you know, fundamentally wrong where they can't play a full game. Well, I want to push back on sort of what you said about the premise. I mean, I get it. You're not going to lead every quarter of every game, unless you're the 16 and 0 Patriots or some of the 15 and one teams we've seen in the last 20 years, like the Packers in 2011 or the Panthers when Cam Newton won MVP and went to the Super Bowl. Unless you have teams like that or, I mean, up until the Eagles lost to the Cowboys, you had the Eagles were kind of like that. I get it. That's very hard to do, but that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is even if you're not necessarily leading, like that's fine. I'm not saying, oh, why weren't the Bengals leading in the first half? I'm saying why were they down 17-0 and then had to come from such a deep hole? And then today – why was it the opposite where they have such a big lead and then somehow New England almost plays a spoiler? Like it's one thing if it's like a 10-7 to 7 game or like you mentioned the Cleveland game. Yeah, it was 8 nothing until that Katie York field goal and it was 11 nothing at halftime. That's fair. But then you could also look at the second half. What happened? They were down 25 nothing, and at that point the game was over in the fourth quarter. That's another example. And again, I'm not trying to be – critical of the Bengals I think there's a reason why they've won seven straight and why they can win a number one seed in the AFC and to be honest they absolutely could if they beat Buffalo next week but that's why I'm bringing this up if you're gonna beat Buffalo if you're gonna see Kansas City again in the playoffs which is almost guaranteed if you want to go to the Super Bowl and or if you see Buffalo again you can't do that like they didn't do that against Kansas City I'll give them credit that was actually a close game that's an example of what I'm talking about Neither team trailed the head. It came down to like the last drive for both teams. For the Chiefs, it came down to Mahomes getting sacked by Joseph Osai. It came down to Burrow converting a third and 11. You know, but it's not like it came down to that after a big hole from either side. I'm just saying with a team like Buffalo, you can't do that. I get what you're saying. The Patriots aren't pushovers. They're technically still in the playoff hunt, remarkably, after all they've been through this year. But that's the thing, though, is like, that's New England. That's not Buffalo. And you know what? If they did that against Kansas City, where they had like a 22-0 lead and blew it to Mahomes or vice versa, you know, um, they're down 22-0 and then they want to try to come back. Oh, good luck. I mean, no, no disrespect to the Bengals, well, but like, sure, this but, is that time of the year. Sure, but like, this is this is a relatively new problem. Like, you know, I I don't think that this is necessary. Like. This is something that has just come up in these last two weeks. Like this isn't, I agree. you know, this isn't something that you can kind of point to and be like, okay, well, this is a major issue because, you know, X, Y, and Z. I mean, like, and again, like when you play the Bills, like you can say that, you know, oh, well, they can't put together a plea. Like if, if the same thing happens, 
where like they they jump out and it's like a 21 to 21 to 10 lead at the break and then all of a sudden at the end of the game they're holding on for dear life i mean it's the bills and and josh allen like if you know this like you could point to the same thing that happened against the chiefs the bengals were up by 11 early and they all they think they were they were up 14 to 3 and then that game got to 24 to 20 um so like i don't know you just when you play these good teams i just i don't think it's i don't think it's a reasonable ask to say okay, well, you need to play a complete game. You need to play at the top of your game for 60 minutes because that's just not the way these things work. I like don't you're know get, the last part. I, I was are, with you up. Teams that are too good. You're playing teams that are too good to not counterpunch. Like if you play the Chiefs and you jump out to a 14 to nothing lead, I'm not going to say that the Bengals like falter in the second half or whatever. Like I'm not going to say that, you know, like even the freaking Panthers can hang 37 on like a borderline playoff team. Like there, this, this league is competitive for a reason. And I think that, um, you know, when you kind of look at the, the, the games that the Bengals have played this year and just the teams that they're playing and the teams that they're about to play, um, cause you're going to play the bills who are obviously at the top of the AFC and you're going to play the Ravens who all, you know, that game is likely going to be for the AFC North title. Um, you're playing two teams that are desperate. Like, they're not, you're not going to go 14 nothing and then just boat race them the rest of the game. Well, or I didn't say that. Like, I didn't say that. Like, if you go down, like, if you go down 14 to three, or if you go down 17 to three or whatever, like, it's unreasonable to say, like, oh, the Bengals are just not a good team and they're not playing well today. Like, they're going to counter. Oh, that, that's a stretch. I, I didn't go that far. Well, no, I, but, I, I, but that's what you were saying about the uh, that's what you were saying about the Tampa game last week. That like they went down seventeen to three, and it was seventeen to three at halftime. But like, I, I, like I don't know if that's necessarily like a, a sign that the Bengals are not. You know, they can't put together a game. I just think it's the Bengals. It's okay if you if you you have a tip pass interception and you know you don't score on your first drive, and then you punt two or three times, and then you kick a field goal. And then all of a sudden in the second half is when you turn on the Jets. Like, it's okay to have a few drives that are not that are not perfect. Well, in the grand scheme of things, sure. I just think you mentioned it's a relatively new problem. I agree it is. This has not really been a main issue up until these last two games. I'm just saying if you're doing this in the middle of the season versus now, there's a big difference because – I mean, obviously, you want to play your best ball all year, not just at the end of the season. Like, that's it's a long season. You can't just pick and choose when they get hot. So I don't want to be a hypocrite when I say what I'm about to say. I want to make that clear with the context of what I'm about to say. And that's that if you are now in a position where you can win the division, you can win a one seed, yeah, you're not going to play a perfect half or a perfect quarter. I mean, we're human. They're human just like us. They're not machines, unless you're maybe like Tom Brady. I think he's... For a while, he was uh, just a robot who couldn't be stopped in an alternate universe. But in all seriousness, if you want that one seed, if you want that top two seed, if you want to beat out the Chiefs, you want to beat out the Bills, I'm not saying you have to have a lead every quarter and you have to be in the driver's seat from start to finish. But you can't let things like this haunt you because, like, I mean, again, let's go back to that week one game, the season opener. You know, yeah, I mean, to prove your point, the Bengals did almost come back from that deficit where Joe Burrow threw four interceptions. And if it wasn't for some wacky PATs, which I want to get to in a second, because that, ironically, in some parallel fashion, that was actually relevant against the Patriots today. But, you know, if it wasn't for some wacky PATs, yeah, the Bengals would have won that game despite having five turnovers. I agree, you can overcome that. But look at that game. Imagine if the Bengals had won that game, they would be what? They would be 12-3, and 
they would actually be the two seed and they'd be in a more competitive position to where they'd actually have a better chance of winning the one seed, which they still do, which they still do. Same with the division. But I'm just saying it's one of those like, remember we talked about on the podcast with Mike, we could go back to that game and say, oh, what if, you know, they finished off the comeback? What if they didn't miss those PATs? Or more importantly, what if they were more in command where, yeah, they're not like blowing a hole against the Steelers, but they're at least not in so much of a deficit where we could look back at a game like this three months later. So going back to the here and now, I get that's in the past, but it kind of proves the point of like, you don't want to have those moments of like, oh, what if the Bengals didn't have this hole against the Bills? Or what if the mistakes they made this week and last week, what if they didn't make those specific mistakes in the specific fashion against Buffalo in a week and a half and Baltimore a week after that or a little under a week after that? That's the thing. All I'm saying, in short, is you want to play your best football now. You want to play your best football all year, but especially now when you know that one seed's not impossible. The Bengals haven't had a top seed since they went to the Super Bowl in 88. So you're talking, what, 34, 35 years since they've had a one seed. That shows you how hard it is is in this league to get that. A lot of teams that have won the Super Bowl haven't been one seeds. So I'm not ruling out any possibilities of them making it to the Super Bowl without a one seed. They did it last year as a four seed, you know? A lot of teams have done it with even lower seeds. All I'm saying is I'm just the grumpy devil's advocate that says, play better football next time. But I did mention the PATs about Evan McPherson. Of course, you know, again, I don't want to draw too many parallels to that Steelers game because I really don't believe the Bengals of today were the Bengals of then. I think they're a way better team. But with McPherson, I mean, man, that was odd. I mean, he missed, what, three PATs and a 40-plus yard field goal. To, is that is that reading into it, or is that just to blame on the weather? Yeah, I mean, well, we weren't there. Um, that would be a good question for Mike um, whenever we do sure. the next podcast um, to yeah. ask about the wind. Um, I, you know, because, I, I mean, it's worth pointing out, and I think this was pretty telling, that, um, you know, the, uh, the Patriots had some problems too. Um, Nick Folk also missed two extra points. So, you know, it, I think it was just – it was one of those days because – at the beginning of the year, we were, I remember there was like a, a little bit of a stretch where we were kind of like looking around, like, you know, is Evan okay? Like, what's going on? Like, nobody was saying he was, you know, he had slipped or anything like that. It was just kind of like he hasn't been what you would normally expect him to be um, in, uh, in these first, or there was a, I'm trying to think when that stretch was. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I want to say it was midway through the year where, you, like, that Cleveland, that Carolina stretch where you were kind of just like, okay, like, what's, what's yeah. going on with him? But, I mean, obviously he turned out to be okay. Um, today was actually his first missed, uh, missed field goal since that day. Uh, he did miss an extra point against the Browns. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think, like I said, it's a good question for Mike, but it, it kind of looks like the wind – um, kind of took some of those. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, I think you just kind of – you stack it maybe in the back of your brain if he has another really, really poor weekend and the weather's not bad in, in Cincinnati next week against the uh, against the Bills. But, but for now, I, I don't really view that as much of an issue. Yeah, I agree. I agree that, you know, this is one of those things that, yeah, it's like, okay, he's fine right now. He hasn't had any duds like this since that specific stretch you mentioned right before the bye week, because I actually talked to him about that, and I wrote a piece on that, because that was kind of the same time when people weren't sure about what was going to happen with Kevin Huber. We know the result to that, but yeah, in this case, um, I I wasn't there, you weren't there, but I mean, honestly, just from watching the CBS broadcast, 
It looked like it was a really windy day in New England. I mean, obviously it was very cold, and that's, you know, Foxborough for you. But, I mean, it looked really windy. Just seeing, like, the shots they had of some of, like, the flags and stuff, it looked like a pretty breezy day. More than a breezy day, I should say, in uh, New England. But, again, he earned the nickname Money Mac his rookie year. I, I think if people are going to start jumping to conclusions, I'd say put the brakes, like Andrew said, Let's see what happens against Buffalo and or Baltimore. But I just think it was a weird weather game. I don't think he's ever played or kicked in an environment like that because, I mean, like you can go back to all their games this year and last year. I don't think the Bengals have ever played in a place that windy. Cold is one thing, but I don't know about windy. But I do want to kind of go back to just the highlights of that game, you know, today in New England. Who would have thought that Devin McCourty wouldn't be burned by Jamar Chase nor Tyler Boyd Norty Higgins, but Trenton Irwin. And that's not to say that people should be shocked by that, but it's like that just shows you the level of play that Trenton Irwin has elevated himself to. To go from being on the practice squad for two-plus years to being elevated off the practice squad when Jamar Chase got hurt for a couple weeks to making the active roster, what an elevation this guy has had. And it just seems like every game he gets better and better and better. First, it's making – a touchdown grab against the Steelers. It's, you know, making a big third down conversion against the Titans. You know, it's a flea flicker touchdown against the Browns. And now it's two touchdowns against the Patriots, one of which is over one of football's better cornerbacks from the last decade. I mean, is it fair to say the Bengals have not just the best wide receiving trio, but the best wide receiver room in the league? Well, I, I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I, certainly they have... Uh, like I, you, I think you could say that they have the best wide receiver core in the league, um, just because of uh, just because of their guys that they have. Um, you know, you, you kind of look at, uh, you know, uh, like obviously Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, he's injured. Um, he, you know, he he left early today. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens there because you know he did come back after that, but it, it, the finger is still clearly bothering him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got guys like T Higgins that can go for, you know, go for 128 yards. Uh, Jamar Chase, I know he had that bad fumble, but you know, he can, he can just, you know, basically sleepwalk his way to, you know, seven to 10 catches for, you know, 70 to hundred yards, something like that. So you, you kind of look at, at just those two guys and, and that's obviously a pretty elite tandem. Then you add Tyler Boyd into that. That's pretty good. Um, you know, you think of teams like the Dolphins, Tyreek and Jalen Waddell, uh, the Bills, they have Diggs and Davis, like, you know, the Eagles, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, those are the teams that you're kind of comparing yourself to. Um, and I think just with Tyler Boyd, that gives the Bengals kind of the trump card. So I don't even – I don't know, you know, I don't know if you want to get into the business of comparing, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers to to really kind of make a difference. But, I mean, certainly with, like, of the receivers that play, of the receivers that play every down, I mean, the Bengals, they're, uh, they're pretty well stacked. So, um you know, I think it's fair to say that they're the best, just in general, the best receiving core in the league. I Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think if you're talking about the three-headed monster, there absolutely is little to no debate there. But, I mean, if just from a depth standpoint, I mean, you hear that word over and over again, depth, 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 depth. It's like, you know, those cliche words like momentum and things like that. But, I mean, in this case, you know, when it's your fourth-string wide receiver who made two touchdowns, and like I said, they were both really good. The one against McCourty was a really impressive grab because I get it. He's not – McCourty's not in his prime like he was when Tom Brady was in New England, but, like, he's still not that bad. Like, that's not a guy you can just sleepwalk your way against, even if you're Jamar Chase for the most part. 
that was a funny example you made. But I mean, that's something you know you gotta appreciate no matter what happens with Tyler Boyd moving forward because you you got numbers and you're gonna have them not just in the playoffs, but I'd like to see in the offseason if he gets a multi-year deal because like he earned it. He earned being on the active roster, and I think he's earned his way to being in Cincinnati for a couple years. But I definitely want to see how that unfolds in the offseason. Just to kind of wrap up here so uh, folks can start their holiday weekend. Game balls. Andrew, who is your game ball going to? Uh, Von Bell. I mean, saves the day um, with the with the punch out of the goal line. Um, I mean, if, if they had blown that game, we would be having a very, very different conversation. Um, because right now, like if they lost that game, right now, next week would be, okay, you can't lose next week to the Bills. Because if you lose and the Ravens beat the Steelers, the Ravens win the division, and it would have changed like that. Now you buy yourself some cushion because even if you lose, you can still play for the division in the three seed, um, and, and that matters. Uh, that matters a lot. So that's uh, that's significant. And the, I mean, we'll get into playoff scenarios this week, but you know, you, you just kind of look and you kind of think of the alternative history of what we'd be saying it would have been it, it was about to be the second largest blown lead in Bengals history um 22 the previous record was 24 I had to pull it up but I believe it was like 1980 1979 something like that so it was, yeah. it was a while ago that they had blown a lead that big um so they uh you know so you just the alternative history is pretty scary if you're if you're the Bengals um and especially with you know, kind of what the offense did, uh, you know, you had some of the uncharacteristic mistakes and, and I don't even think they were, they just, you know, mental mistakes, mental errors, really, they kind of cost you late and, um, you know, you need the defense to bail you out and Von Bell did. I agree. I think my game ball, as I mentioned, um, just from talking about him a lot moments ago, Trenton Irwin, I love seeing an underdog make plays like that. So T.I., you're my guy. And like you said, with playoff scenarios, we'll talk more about it later. But the Bengals still lead the AFC North. They are in the third seed. They're going to try to get that one seed when they play Buffalo on Monday night next week, which we'll talk all about when Mike joins us after the holidays. But for myself and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe out there. Stay warm. We'll see you next week. Take care.